Yo, New York in the house. <laughs> it's a party. Um, yeah, man. Yo, this this is an episode of Red River Podcast, which is a podcast that I do. And currently, all three of us seem to be doing a podcast. <laughs> um, so that's Sean up there, Sean Cooper. And uh, that's my buddy, Eric, down there, man. Sir. Yeah, man. What's going on, Eric? Oh, man, nothing. Just, uh, just finished up a bunch of fight camps and just trying to chill before a bunch more start up and <laughs> just, yeah, got, got so many things going on, writing a book, all, all kinds of, uh, all kinds of nonsense. I cool. Yo, before we get into that. So Sean, just so you know, cause like, Sean's going to just hang out with us for a minute. I know he, you know what it is. He trains at BJJ, a BJJ Sarah, right? He, he, tra- yeah. like you're, you're at the Sarah. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm like, the other guys that I do the show with aren't really too, you know, they don't know much about MMA. And I thought it'd be a lot of fun to just have them hang out. I wanted to come back anyway. Um, but yo, so me and Eric met a long time ago. We, yes. we were in this place uh, called Apple. It turned into Phoenix House later on. And uh, what got you so how do you describe apple like a rehab but like it's like a group home slash rehab for people with drug and behavioral problems or teenagers with drug and behavioral problems i was a kid i was 17 yeah i was like i I must have been i must have been 20 because i guess i I got yeah Yeah, so um man and and what a trip now when when you like look back so once we left there there was no real social media. There was nothing like that where we could keep in touch so constant. Um, and then once Facebook came around and whatever, I would, I'm like, yo, Eric, you're I'm like, look at, um, you know, I saw you. And then from there, you know, when we first met, I knew that you were, so, you were in love with, with, with wrestling. That was your thing. Yeah. Um, you were a young kid, man. And like, you were very passionate about it, but I think, uh, man, I think you had quite a story after you left there. It wasn't until like years later that you found yeah. your, your, your calling. Um, and next thing you know, it's like, now I, I see you, like, I'm so fucking proud that you wanted to do something and you did it. You know, like I see you on like the biggest stage, man. I see you like, like on a UFC card with Dominic Cruz and his corner. And I'm thinking like, so happy for him. Um, man, just t- tell us how, how you got from leaving Apple to there so yeah it's, it's after leaving apple i i had to go back a bunch of times like even that first stint i think i did with you i want to say i left probably five times within that three months i left and came back like five times in three months i i was in that place from 17 to 20 for like the better part of that and then i would leave i would hit the streets i would run as hard as i could i'd 
catch a charge or do do a bunch of crazy shit, have to go back. I'd be homeless, you know, like all just just you know living that junkie lifestyle. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I know. Um, and at a certain point, I, I did graduate. Uh, at, at about 20 years old, I graduated, managed to get a driver's license, was headed off to wrestle in college. And I got to college and I had no life skills like whatsoever. I've been an, institu- I've been an institution, homeless or like a, a, um, some type of mental ward for, or jail or whatever. You know what I mean? So I haven't been in a life like where no one's telling you when to eat or, or how to pay for your books or, or any of that stuff. So it was so overwhelming for me. I lasted about a month in college and I was like, man, I want to do this, but it's so much easier to just be a criminal in a low life. So that's, that's what I did. I, was, I, I went back and uh, so it's just in and out, in and out. And, and, uh, and I knew I was going to die soon. Did, did you, did you really have that thought? Because like for me in my head, it was something that never, and I'm telling you, and you know, like the last time, like I woke up with paramedics around me in 98 before I went in, that's when I went into Apple. So it was March 15th, 1998. Um, and even back then, like it just, I always felt like I would always get over. So I didn't have that. So it's funny that you say that you, you knew. The, the reason I, I knew I was going to die is because I had a, had a like a series of events that happened in, in kind of rapid succession within weeks of one another. I, uh, I, I overdosed, uh, actually I overdosed with, with, at a party with Dave Bowden and, uh, shout out to Dave uh, Bowden. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, D- Dave was like the big homie when I was a kid, you know, like when I wanted to not be involved with street stuff, I would hang out with them cause they were all like punk rock kids. And, yeah, yeah. You know, they weren't involved in any of that stuff. So for, I could just relax with those guys and, and, and get drunk and have a good time. But, Anyway, they took me to a house. I ended up robbing the homeowner who was selling ecstasy. I ate all his pills and, and took all his cash. And I, I woke up in a hospital bed the next day with a pocket full of money handcuffed to a gurney. I thought I was going to jail, but they just handcuffed me, I guess, because I was in convulsions and they had to pump my stomach. So um, so I leave the overdose and I'm not shook by that. A couple weeks later, I, I, uh, I black out after a, a, a night out in the Hamptons and, I, and I'm young, I, I black out and I pass out on the train tracks and I start, and, and the train is coming down the tracks while I'm sleeping. So like, I just kind of like sat up in the middle of a blackout and fell to the side and, and didn't get run over. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was spooky shit, man. And, and, uh, and then these guys, I met these dudes and they, uh, they wanted me to get them some drugs. So my hustle was always like robbing people, robbing drug dealers or robbing people for, for stuff like that. So that that was my hustle. Especially out there, man. You, you, you know, you you were probably a terror out there. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, um, so these guys gave me cash. I went out, spent it at a, at a, at a, at a club on Dune road with my friends Took took everybody out for the night. I go back to the dude's house the next day. And they're having a party and I'm like, don't worry, the stuff will be here later with my boy. So I'm like, that'll buy me time to just like to, to tap this keg and have a good time and, 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 and whatnot. But for me, it wasn't enough to just rob people. Like I really got off on adding insult to injury. So, <laughs> so I started diving through the sheetrock in their walls, tearing ceiling fans out, pissing on their television, pissing on their bed. And, and I, I wiped my ass with the dude's fucking sheets and, uh, it's just, just being real disrespectful. And then I, I bring everybody into the living room that's at the party 
and I announced to them that I robbed these guys, that their money, nothing's coming. I spent the money last night and no one's doing a thing about it. Like in front of like 15, 20 people. So everybody's just like dead ass silent. Then my friends are like, come on, man, we got to get out of here. So I refuse to leave and I black out and I pass out on their, on their couch after, after all this nonsense. Now these were not punk kids. Like these guys were a little older and they were, they were like, bad guys you know what i mean yeah, like, like nah, yeah like, yeah 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 i know these, these were evil people yeah yeah so um as i'm sleeping they go get some bats and they start teeing off on me while i'm sleeping and uh uh like 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 straight to the face i still have my lip was hanging off i still have scars from it and uh, existing dental problems from from that stuff like almost 20 years ago so um <clears throat> and uh i managed to make it out to the street and they're still teeing off on me. And like the one dude looked like Captain Spaulding. He was like 40 something at the time. And uh, all I remember was like being on the ground, looking up and like the, there was like a amber glow from the street light. And this weird six, three weird looking dude is howling and dancing over my body, like waving his arms around in the air. And I, everything's in slow-mo. I'm not panicking or nothing. I'm just like, all right, I'm gonna die if I don't get out of here. I gotta somehow get out of here. And uh, a car comes driving down the road. I dive on the hood of the car and uh, it happened to be a kid I knew from high school who I robbed like two weeks before. What are the chances? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I robbed the- a kid two weeks before and the motherfucker drives me home. And so, yeah, I, I get home. I wake up in the morning. I have no recollection. I come downstairs. My mom freaks the fuck out. She, she's not even like trying to help me. She's just screaming at me. I'm like, what's, what's, what's this bitch's problem? Like, I just woke up. Like, what, what's... I, I, I don't know what my face looks like. I go upstairs, my, my face is destroyed. Blood, bruises, it's a mess. And like, I knew like, man, all that shit happened in like six weeks. Like all, all three of those events, I'm like, how much time do I actually have to live? You know? That's a, that's a great point because like, uh, I, I didn't have any violence in me. So right. I, I wasn't living that. I was living more like the fun thing. You know, yeah. um, but same thing with me. Like, you know, I, I remember just ODing in 98 and getting my stomach pumped, all that other shit. But there was no real violence. No, <laughs> no one was totally, you know, teeing off on me. So I guess that makes sense, man. That's a lot to take in in those six weeks. And and it's funny to, like, hear stuff like that and how far we, we are removed from it. So it's like I can't imagine doing half the shit that, that I like. So I had no consequential thinking at all. For me, I was like, okay, there's, I'm going to run in this house that's filled with people and, you know, and I'm going to rob this guy in front of his dad, you know, and, and it's fine. Um, like not, Hey, maybe they'll call the cops and I'll go to jail and, and, and do a lot of time and my life is over. You know, uh, it, it's amazing that, that I didn't do serious time. And, and I, I think the only reason I got away with, uh, cause I had, had to go back to Apple for, uh, armed robbery charge and, and i was i was looking at some serious time oh wow. i'm pretty sure mark howard put, put in a call for me um because i was in I, I went back to kind of like make it look good and uh and, and I, no one ever told me this but the only thing i could ever think the reason i did not go to prison was that mark howard might, might have put in a call for me uh who was like one of the the uh, yeah one of the counselors there yeah one of the counselors and big ups and he had some connections and and uh yeah, that's the only thing I can think of, you know, you know other than maybe my skin color. <laughs> I when, when, I, when I think of that time in that place, like I cringe at a lot of the things that I was doing, 
even the behavioral stuff, like, cause like they started bringing in older dudes there. You remember like, you know, whoever Rodney and whoever, and these, yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. these guys were like bigger dudes that like, for the most part, he, he could have like murdered me right there. And I still just like, it wasn't even like a thought in my head. I'm like, you know, like we, we, we would taunt these dudes that were, that were going there instead of going to prison. And uh, I remember one time Ed Krinitz was one of the, the counselors there. Yeah, and and, and I, I, I always felt bad about this because it was so when I look back, I'm like, why was I acting out like this? So me and my, my boy, Eric, another Eric, you know, we, we would get these visits and we would go to the city and we would like taking pictures because back then you took like actual pictures. And there was one picture that we took and I had a slice of pizza and I was fake feeding a homeless guy. And I came back and Ed like went through the pictures, you know, before he gave it back to us. And he is like, what? And he told me what, it, uh, you know, I was like, I told him what it was. And he kind of yelled at me, not yelled at me, but he was just kind of like, you're kind of like a piece of shit. It's like, this guy's homeless. And you're like, what? And yo, that shit stuck with me to this day. Like, I feel so bad, you know? Mm. And that's why, like, I, whenever I see anyone asking for money, like I try to give them, you know, cause it just. A lot of those things back then just like kind of like affected me, you know. So I think being useful, maybe it's just an I don't know. Like when you're useful, you don't think about stuff like that. At, at least, at least a lot of the people that I was around, and, and like, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of guidance or parenting. You know what I mean? Which Zero. actually, like, what, Zero. When, you know, when we talk about, you know, you asked me to like talk about my favorite fight scenes and movies. Like yeah. where I got any of my ideas about how a man is supposed to act in life was movies yeah I, I, my dad didn't I, I had one father-son talk with my dad my entire life right and know what it was he taught me how to how to slice someone's throat with piano wire from behind and and how to tear their ear off when i was 12 right that's that's the the one father-son talk i had with my pops my whole life that's it so I wasn't running on a whole lot of good information, right? For me, I was just having a good time. Like you're walking through the streets with your friends when you're a teenager. Why don't I just smash this window or tell this, tell this, that's a fun time. It's going to make my friends laugh. I'm not thinking about the guy that's going to come out of his house in the morning and be like distraught that his fucking window is smashed. You know what I mean? I'm not thinking about that at all. It's so true because you said guidance and and like I didn't have any of that. Like my mom was too busy raising three kids, but she she was a single mom. Um, so I didn't really have that. Like I my role models were like I remember watching Sid and Nancy and thinking like, cool, like <laughs> I want to go. I, like that's what made us go to the Chelsea to go fucking, you know, have sex and do heroin. You know, because that's boring, what Sydney. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, and, and so like looking back, like it's just like it, there was no guidance. And I remember one time in the like maybe the last 10 years, um, these kids, I guess I was driving somewhere in Center Reach and, and somebody threw something at my car and I fucking like hulked out. Like I was just like, I fucking stopped the car <laughs> and I it was an egg. And then they fucking ran. And it was as I thought to myself, as soon as I got mad, I looked at them, I saw the egg and I was like, you know what? You got me. Like that's it. This, <laughs> this is the cycle. And you, you got me, yeah, you got exactly. the old guy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, dude, throwing slurpy bombs on people, you know, through their car windows and stuff like that. Like anything that comes back to me like that, it's like, I earned that a hundred percent, man. I earned that a hundred percent. I did one time throw a snowball at a car when I was like 13 
And this dude got out, he was like 25 years old and beat the shit out of me. Like, like, like a 25 year old man just pummeled me on the side of the road from throwing a snowball at his car. I was like, damn, my friends just stood there and watched, just watched me. <laughs> but you, but you want to know what man, and, and, and not to sound like that guy, but like, man, an ass whipping will teach you a lot. Yeah, yeah, an yeah. ass whipping will teach you that that's possible. Yep. Sometimes I see the way some people talk and I look at them. I'm like, oh, you never got fucked up before. That's yeah. that's the problem. You know, yeah. so did you do any of this stuff, Sean? Like any, any of this wilding out stuff, man? I mean, I, I had some tough times in high school, but it was more um, not leaving my room kind of stuff, not interacting with people being so in my head that uh, that, yeah, like. Parents took me to South Oaks. Might have had to uh, see what that was program there. was about. I was there. <laughs> yeah, it's probably probably around a similar time, like 97, 98. Yeah. But I was like, this yeah. this isn't gonna work. Ah. This isn't gonna work for me. So so didn't wind up going. And just like I had home tuners and stuff in high school. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I also didn't have like the violent thing. It was more like uh, anxiety, depression, all that stuff, which was tied in, I think, with my gut. Because I have a lot of uh, digestive issues when it comes to, like I, I found out it was gluten and dairy, oh, wow. and we didn't know. I went to a lot of doctors and stuff to try and figure that stuff out, but I think that triggered everything. And since I've healed my gut, I feel like I've healed my brain. I mean, it's anecdotal; it's just me, but I don't know. No, there, there's there's some there's some science to support that for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the, the gut to brain highway, just to nerd out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nerd I'm out. Fascinated by it. Something called the polyvagal theory your, your your vagus nerve is is basically runs your central nervous system and uh 80 of the of the neural uh, of, of the connections of the of the feedback is from your body to your brain yeah right? so it's not the brain down it's that the body has its own intelligence and, and a lot of it is in the gut so yeah yeah what, what you're experiencing is is is, is real yeah and i feel like once once i kind of calm those issues like I, I healed my brain i was able to be more productive and like enter rejoin society Nice. That's good, man. Yeah. 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 I, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny that you say that, like, you know, coming out of Apple that you didn't have any of those skills. Um, I don't know why I feel like maybe I just kind of faked it like until I, I was that way. And I kind of just, even the times that I didn't want to have a conversation with people, I was still able to do so and stuff like that. But, you know, it's it, looking back now, like got like a male, influence would have probably saved me a lot of time you know like i was one of those dudes that needed that smack on the head or someone who was just kind of like like i people learned lessons i i was i needed to do it to learn that lesson you know what i'm saying so like and 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 uh the one thing that kept me clean i remember was probably the amount of time that i had clean when i left there because right. by the time i left there i was 22 and I had everything a 22 year old should have had, which I didn't have. The thing that kept me relapsing before I got there was I had nothing to lose. I would go to a detox. I would have seven days clean. And then I would be like, well, okay. Like I have seven days clean. Like what's like, there's no, I had no future. I had nothing to look forward to. It was just whatever. And to me, it was like fun, fun, fun was over everything. I'm like, I'll just have fun. I don't care. I'll, I'll worry about it tomorrow. And by the 100%. time, yeah, by the time I left Apple, I had a car, I had a bank account, I had a job. I had like two years clean and I was like, okay. I'm like, I think I'm going to stay this way. Cause it was the last line, man. It was like either that or do a one to three upstate. Right. That's what it was. And from there I was like, well, 
I don't really want to do a one to three upstate. Like I just don't like I, I, I didn't like I knew that I this wasn't my life and uh, just something clicked with me. Um, but yeah, man, just going from there, like like how did you turn your life around and start working towards that goal as to where you so, are? Yeah. So the once the so with all that in mind, I'm trying to get clean the whole time man. I'm trying to get clean all the time. And like, I'll do good. So around 20, I would, I would start like going to meetings and stuff like that. And like, I'd catch a little clean time and I'd go into the city. Cause I really wanted to do Greco Roman wrestling. Like, like, like it was, I was so passionate about it. And uh, so one of these uh, coaches on, on Long Island turned me on to going into the city. So I started going into the city and training with like really high, high level training. And there was a kid there that was from Belarus uh, this dude, Andre, and he, uh, he was training most of the time down at this Russian gym in Brooklyn. Right. And so he's like, he invited me down there. So I go down to this Russian gym in Brooklyn, uh, in Brighton beach. Right. It's like straight Russian mob on the corner, sipping yeah. espresso. Yeah, yeah. Deal. And, uh, and we're training in the bottom of this the basement of this Jewish center. So I go down there. The coach was a, a former Soviet union Olympic coach. And all these monsters from Russia, like these guys were all like uh, national team members from whatever Republic of the Soviet Union that they came from. Obviously, it's the nine, late 90s. So like uh, or, or early 2000s at this point. So, you know, Russia had been dissolved to so all the republics and some some killers. And I just went down there every day. I was obsessed. I had nothing else to do. I had no I had no life. You know what I mean? So it was like, man, I'm either going to I really felt like. I can do this and put my energy into this or I'm going to die in the street because you can't do the things that I was do doing. And eventually somebody's just going to shoot you. Like, yeah. It doesn't oh. matter how tough. Are, Without right? a doubt. Yeah. And, uh, and that's that. So, uh, so I, I didn't want that to happen or, or I was just going to overdose, you know, and, and, and not, not make it out of it. So I kept coming back. I kept struggling. I kept, you know, coming back and struggling. And, and then, uh, you know, finally, I just had this like very moment of clarity after like a, I had a, like a four day bender in the Hamptons. Right. So, uh, I, I'd spent a lot of time. I'd been going to nightclubs since I was a teenager. I had some, some older friends that worked in clubs in New York city in the Hamptons. And they would take me out on like school nights and, and fucking drive, drive me. We'd go party in the Bronx and then they'd drop me off at the bus stop at seven o'clock in the morning, you know, that, that type of deal. And so, um, <laughs> I'm out in the Hamptons. It's a four and I'm, I'm on a sick one, like a Thursday to Sunday type of deal. It completely incoherent. At, at one point, my friends found me in the hot tub with some not attractive girl, redhead with cerebral palsy in a hot tub. And I'm wow. like, and I like very close was going on. I think I was hoping something would go on, but I couldn't put sentences together. Right. So like, that's the type of weekend I was having, you know? And, uh, I wake up on a Sunday morning and there's just bodies scattered everywhere. It's your typical, just, you know, just a flop house of, of, of people, you know, doing what they do uh, in that life. And, and, uh, and I wake up and I got a package still in my pocket, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, I'm like getting ready to get started. I'm like, Oh, it's Sunday morning. I got, I fucking passed out with Coke left in my pocket. So cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> for me right it's breakfast so yep. and then it's like this is just like a little like internal voice was like man if you flush that you'll have a shot if you don't you're probably gonna die soon and it was just like 
it was just a real voice. Like it was like, I, I was like, I, I couldn't ignore it. And, and it just, it felt real enough for me to listen to it. So flushed the shit or, or threw it in the garbage. I don't remember. I drove home. I slept for like, uh, I slept for a good two days. Right. And then, uh, I called my boy Lewis, who who you might know Sam from Houston. Oh Gas. shit! Get out of here! Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man! Yeah. Shout yeah. out to Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Lewis is a fucking G. I, I call him every now and then because that that guy fucking saved he, my life. So like, he was no joke. Nah, he he was he was crazy, and he he was the only person crazy enough to hang out with me every day because yeah. I was so angry. Like my life got worse when I got sober, you know, because. It's like you just took away my fucking my 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 my, my solution yeah, yeah. To, to all these problems that I was having. So um so Lewis would just kick it with me every day and and, and uh I'd go to meetings and then I would train, you know. I, I gave myself a good 90 days of not doing anything but just getting myself clean. You know what I mean? I was like, cause I didn't need any distractions. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll go lift some weights, but other than that, I'm just gonna throw myself into wow. this and then that Lewis, was that, man. man. I, threw myself into into wrestling and down there I would train with like Russian Sambo guys and some jiu-jitsu guys would come down and before I knew it I'm taking these underground fights in New York City and uh you know fighting in these lofts and these warehouses oh yeah was was that popping back then like like real deal like just what are some of the rules for that no rules no rules. Yo, I seen a dude get his arm snapped in front of his kids and just get like dragged out. No doctors. Or I'm, thinking, I mean? I'm thinking Lionheart, you know, like, yeah. like it, was pretty gangster. it was pretty gangster. I, I, I saw some some dudes get fucked up. I, I fought some like karate guy. You know what I mean? And, and I just picked him up, body slam, <laughs> kneed him in the temple repeatedly until his eyes rolled in the back of his head. And, and, yeah. and, and that was that. Wild. Yeah, wild. It, it, it was wild. Um, I fought Frankie Edgar in one of those fights. Yes, I I didn't know that, and I saw like you know because I, I I did a little research, and uh, that's that's wild. I noticed Frankie Edgar yeah, was one of those. Yeah, yeah. Before either of us turned professional, so uh, it was it was crazy. He was fucking. I, I honestly, like, it was a good foreshadowing of how tough that kid was because I actually broke his eye socket, oh. and uh, and the motherfucker just kept fighting. And eventually, he uh, he ground and pounded me out, but. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was, it was pretty. Hectic. Did you guys so, ever meet up again and be like, "Hey, remember?" Yeah, yeah I seen, I seen yeah. Frankie. I've seen him a bunch of times since. I just saw him recently at a at a UFC in Vegas, okay. and uh, well, actually, he was. Uh, I want to say he was fighting on that card. Yeah, because he he lost that that quick fight to that kid. Um, I think there was the San fight, Hagen. The yeah. fight before that, even. Oh, okay, it might have been the fight before that, um, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I've seen him recently and you know, we always say what's up and and you know, he's uh he's always just you know, he's always cool and you know, we just we just you, you smile and nod and you know, you know you you fucking, you know, you shared that experience and and, and you know, you just keep it moving. Yeah, and it's fun, you know, like you knew what you wanted to do even back then when I met you. It was something I don't know, like I'm like this this kid is built like a fire hydrant, you know, like he's just yeah. like, I knew that, you know, and, and you kept it going and then I'm going to knock it up to, to Sean too. Like same thing with you, like your record, the biggest taken back Sunday record or one of them just, just celebrated 19 years. And it was like, mm-hmm. the same thing with you. Like, did you guys feel like this is what we're going to do and we're just going to keep at it? Like, you know, like what are some of those memories you have from that record 19 years ago? 
I mean, I just thought we put out the record and the record came out, you know, end of March. I thought we'd tour through the summer and go back to school, go back to work. Like, hey, this was a fun ride. Yeah. But, but to think that it would be anything more than that was like pipe dream. No way. And I mean, been off for the last year and stuff. COVID sucks, but like we're still going and I think we're we're well rested. So ready to get back into it. But um, yeah, there was no no idea that it would be anything more than just. Oh, crazy. We got a record deal. Someone else paid for our record. Like what, that, that's as much as I thought. What's, what's a, like a funny memory that you remember from just making that record of anything? Uh, well, our drummer, Mark, we didn't bring a drum kit day one. They go, you didn't bring a drum kit or like, we need a drum kit. Like any other studio we've been to on Long Island, like had one. Yeah. There was always like a house kit. You know, we didn't know we were making like a major record. You want your shit there. So we're running around buying drum skins the first day in Jersey city. So, so that was pretty crazy. Um, our, uh, another funny drum thing, Mark had never played to a click track. So like, we don't, you never played to a click track. Like, what do you, what do you mean? You've never done that. Okay. Well, we're not even going to try it. Funny story though. Mark tried it on the ta- second taking back Sunday record where you want to be. And he could play to it. Like a, he talked to it like a duck to water. He had no problems at all. So we should have freaking tried it. Yo, let me tell you. Because now that, you know, he's he's playing drums on, uh, you know, one of our records coming up. And uh, nice. he, man, when I tell you, you know, even the Carlos Danger record that we did, I've never mm-hmm. seen anyone play to a click as well as fucking Mark. Like, he's a guy. He is a, he's a monster. And he was proficient at it from, like, the very start. But it's also, there's something to be said. Tell Your Friends has a certain energy and a certain vibe because all the songs get significantly faster. Yeah. So I think there was some sort of charm that made it uh, kind of set itself apart with its sloppiness. Yeah. And, and that's, but that's what it was back then, man. It just, like, you, yeah. you listen to to records, you know, even, like, the old Get Up Kit rec- records, like, stuff like that that just, like, it just had a sway. And it was, like, it was just feeling and stuff. So, but, uh, you, cool. You find, like, it's, it's, like, interesting you know, you have this successful, you know, album and career and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it goes along with anything when you're doing something and you're just so obsessed with doing it because you love it so much. And it's so fun. You're not thinking like, Oh, I can get famous off this or, 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 or even have a career or life off this. Like I, I had to do my mind. Yeah. I had to do the opposite. Like when we'd be on tour and stuff, I'm like, man, we're spending a lot of time on this. And I, I don't like I don't know any bands that have made it before. Like, is this going to be my career? Like all my friends are in college, like they're getting ahead in our lives. Am I just delaying the inevitable? I'm like, stop thinking like that. Just enjoy it. You're still young. Like we were 20, 20 years old when, when I joined the band and stuff and 21 when the first record came out. So I'm like, dude, take your time. Don't don't overthink it and just enjoy this for what it is right now. You'll figure out the rest. But yeah, yeah, like I I had to do the opposite. Yeah, we're going to be so famous. It's like, no, I believe in this and I think it's really good. I hope other people will. They probably won't because no one's ever believed in any of the other bands I've done. But I feel good about this. And suddenly it caught on right place, right time. So much good luck. Well, listen, it's 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 a lot of fun for me to have a stupid podcast and get to talk to the both of you that that have so much drive and dedication that you guys are where you are basically like the top of your fields for sure. Um, so going back to Eric, uh, yeah, man, the Sambo guys, the fucking illegal fighting, um, how are your parents feeling now that you kind of seem to have drive and direction into something? Um, honestly, my mom would go to the underground fights. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. (laughs) Like, no she had no idea like none of this is legal or anything like that all she's like he doesn't he's not fucking strung out he's not gonna die (laughs) so so 
anything is a, is a, is better than that. And, and so, you know, I'm doing that thing. Uh, I realized like, okay, I want to, I want to get into, I want to do the fighting thing full time. So I start training at a, a local gym on Long Island and it kind of, it was good. It was, it was, you know, good, good, good enough for the time, but it sort of disintegrated. And I had met some people out in Las Vegas while I was, uh, one of the, a guy that I used to run with and, and, and do some dirt with, he had moved out to Vegas to train jujitsu and, and the jujitsu gym he was training in. And at the time, uh, this guy, Mark Lehman had, had the, uh, like all the MMA guys, like that's, you needed to be in Vegas. Like that's where it was going down. This was Vegas at the time. It was, it was, it was like the Mecca. So I drove out to Vegas, uh, at 26. Yeah. I drove out to Vegas and like, didn't have a place to live, had like $1,500 to my name that I had saved up, drove my car out there. I slept on my boy's couch the first night. The next night I had gotten myself a, a job checking IDs at a bar on the strip and moved in with this chick who was a bartender there that needed a roommate. Right. So it turned out, she turned out to be a tweaker and, and, uh, <laughs> which is, it, it happens. Yeah, it happens. Right. When, it, when, I, in Rome. when I start coming home at four in the morning and she's off that night and she's like rearranging the furniture and stuff like that. And like, yeah, I'm like, something's fucking weird about this. Like, she was productive. Yeah. yeah why is this bitch up cleaning? at fucking four or five in the morning. That's so strange. Uh, you know, cause they don't, they don't do meth in, in New York, you know, it's, yeah. not, it's not a big thing in New York. So I'm not, I'm familiar with every other type of drug addict. Right. I, 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 I allegedly might've had a, an interaction with some people in Cali and might've done stuff too out here, but it's a disgusting drug and no one should ever do it. Um, no, no, no. It's, it's literally the worst. It's thing the, the worst world. thing ever. Right. Watch the movie spun and yeah. you'll figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's honestly like there's no addiction that does to you what meth does. And like when you yeah. live on the West Coast, like uh, I went to a UFC in Albuquerque. Right. And so one of my boys was was a, a trainer at, at Jackson Wink. Right. And it's like where John Jones trains. Yeah. Yep. 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 The gym. So he's given me the grand tour of the worst parts of, of Albuquerque. Right. Yo, let me tell you, I've never been to a place so sketchy in my life. Dude. <laughs> in Albuquerque, I legitimately felt unsafe. And it was broad daylight. It was broad daylight. And it just looked like zombies and cockroaches. Like everybody just looking for a come up. You could just see like the 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 death in the air, you know. Yeah. And you know, a junkie, a junkie of any type is always looking for a come up, man. You could just see like if you set down a nickel, that shit would be gone if, if, you, if you turned your back. And, and uh, we got to, I checked out all the Breaking Bad houses and shit like that. So that, oh, that was cool. Pretty, yeah. yeah. Was, uh, that, was the pizza still on the roof? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was, uh, it, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, so I'm out in Vegas and uh, after being there for a year, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting pretty good. I get brought over to uh, Extreme Couture and I start, and Randy Couture was my hero at the time. So I start, start training with them. And, you know, my first day on the mat, I'm training with like, like guys that at the time are legends, like Frank Trigg. Forrest yeah. What Griffin. was, what, what UFC, like, so around the year, like was UFC back? Like, did they, did Dana White buy it by then? Was it still like a thing? Cause I, I remember. Yeah, like... Dana White had bought it. Randy was the champ. He okay. had just beaten Gonzaga. Okay. 
uh, and, and like Tim Sylvia. So like it was on its way to being like in the, the public eye even more. Yeah. This is I think that's when it was popping, right? This is like just that's after the ultimate fighter. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Just after the, the, the initial ultimate fighter. So where the UFC really took off is after the original ultimate fighter where Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner had a yeah, war, war. In the finale. Yeah. And, um, both guys got contracts after that. And I ended up tra training with both guys there. Um, and, and so it's just after that, like okay. less than a year after all that. And so, yeah, I'm training with Vanderlei Silva. I had to give Randy asked me to give Vanderlei Silva a private lesson in wrestling one day, which is a fucking sick man. It's like, it's like, Hey man, I got to go out of town. I was supposed to work with Vanderlei. Can, can you help him out today? Yeah. You know? so That's so I, cool. I'm like, yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like Vandalay is like, he was one of, one of my heroes at the time. So yeah, I'm training with all these guys and you know, and I'm doing well. Um, but I still have a lot of mental problems. Like, you know, uh, uh, a lot of undiagnosed things like, like PTSD and stuff like that. And, and, um, so, uh, I, I eventually end up in San Diego after, after, um, spending a few years on and off because i would leave vegas each summer to go home and work in the hamptons and uh i would tell myself it was to save money but really my ego just needed the hit that i would get from being like the man running all the doors out there like if i'm honest you know what i'm yeah. saying so like i loved training but really what i loved was women more than anything you know what i mean so like like just like there's no out there, you know, yeah, I was a young up and coming fighter. When I would go home, I was the fucking man, you know. And it's and, and it's I'm, it's good to be like honest now. Like we could look back, like I'm 43, like you know, yeah. like you know, like you, the shit that you did back then, like it's it's just good to look back and like kind of just call yourself out for that, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't. I like I felt so bad about myself because mind you I'm like a couple years sober you know what I mean like and I'm just figuring out how to live life right? I have no life skills still right but I know and, and I'm coming off medication so like the first day I move out like the first time I move out there I run out of money and I can't afford my medication right and I'm on some like like they put me on crazy meds when I was uh, in Phoenix house because they said I was too aggressive and I was scaring the other kids so they loaded me up on like tranquilizers and uh, all kinds of mood stabilizers and stuff like that. They didn't and, hit you with the Thorazine, did they? No, they had me on, uh, what was it, Zyprexa. Okay, yeah. So I'd just sit there and drool on myself and fucking, you know, and then they'd yell at me for falling asleep. I'm like, you fucking morons, you put me on a tranquilizer. What do you think I'm going to do? Like, <laughs> yeah. Be fucking bright and chipper. So, <laughs> so anyway, like, yeah, I, I'm I'm having a lot of problems. I'm chasing my dream, but I'm also having a lot of problems, you know, and, and uh so eventually I end up in San Diego, uh, training at Alliance with Dominic Cruz and Jeremy Stevens and, and all these guys. And, you know, I win all my fights there, but I'm, I'm like, just things are not, they're not clicking. Like I'm not like, I, I would have a lot of, uh, fights fall through. So this is a big thing. Like up and comers go through. If you're not fighting on the big, big the UFCs or whatever, I, I was actually scheduled to fight in Bellator and, I got severe nerve damage in one of my arms. So my arm got stuck like this for uh, six weeks. So I had to, had to pull out of that fight. Obviously I couldn't use this hand. Was that from training? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually training with Mike Chandler and 
we were doing something in the cage and I took a weird fall and, and just something happened to a, a nerve in the, in the back. And um, my arm just got stuck for, for six weeks. So I couldn't pull out of that. And that was like meant to be like, I was like, that was going to be my break. You know what I mean? Like get on, get on, you know, Bellator and, and, uh, and, and do my thing. And, you know, uh, I spent, I had two periods of two and a half years where fights got canceled in a row. Like where I would train in that two and a half years, I trained for like 10 or 15 fights that didn't happen. Right. Twice. So that's five Crazy. years of a career. Right. So that's and, like, that's like a normal occurrence, I guess you said. It's, it's normal to have fights fall through. It's not normal for it to happen for two and a half years. Right. Yeah. But I, I also believe that like that I manifested a lot of that stuff myself because I always had this like running clock that I got to get successful so that I can prove that I'm not a loser. Right. Because all I have, the only thing I have behind me is evidence that I'm a fuck up and a loser. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. that's substantial evidence that I have behind me is man, you're fucking just lucky. You're not dead. And, and, and I always, because I always, I remember like watching all the kids that I went to school with that weren't fuck ups, like, hanging out with them at the beach, like when, like after their senior year ended and they're all going off to college and I'm wondering, am I going to live through the summer? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, and, and it's, it's funny. Another it's funny. You say that too. You know, it's uh it's, it's a, it's a big thing for, for people that had that, that had that like uh history that we do. Cause you know, years later for me, it's like, um you know, even for something like podcasting, it's like, I feel like I'm good at this. I want to prove that I'm not a loser. Um, but writing music, same thing. Even if like 10 people like it, it makes me feel like, like it's like, oh, you see, I am good at something. Right. So it's, it's, it's like a big thing. Like I, I completely get it, you know, internally so much, not for like for anyone else, you know, if people like it, obviously, but internally you just feel like, you know, like as, as a fighter and as a trainer, you feel good. You know, like, you know what you're doing. So. My whole, the problem for me was my whole worth was tied up in that, right? Mm. So when I went to training, like, I would have to win at training. Forget about, like, trying to get better or work on weaknesses. Like, no, 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 no. If I can't afford to lose sparring on a Friday because then I'm going to fucking hate myself all weekend until I can reprove myself on Monday when we get back in here, right? And so like it kept me from taking the necessary risks to like really get my career where it needed to go. And I, I like, I have to take like full accountability for that. Right. And, and so like just that mindset of like, like time's running out, time's running out, time's yeah, running out. Always. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I feel like, you. I really believe that I manifested like all those big gaps of fights falling through, you know? Um, and, and that might sound crazy to some people, but, uh, yeah, I had this, no matter how good I got, you know, because the thing was, I was beaten, I was fucking up guys that were in the UFC and had contracts. And I'm like, man, that should be mine, you know, but I had a real loser's mentality about it. And a lot of me, and, and, and to a degree, I was a coward, you know what I mean? Like, these guys were taking risks with, with, with matchups and, 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 you know, working on their weaknesses so that they'd be confident with them in, in fights. And I, I just like, I wasn't in a place to mentally process all that stuff till a lot later. And then uh, I had moved to Thailand for five years and I went out there to fight to seek some opportunities. And initially I just moved there to fight, not coach. And same thing, couple fights, call, 
fell through. I lost the decision that I shouldn't have in China. Like it was like, like it was a bullshit decision. I won the fight and I, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not uncommon to get robbed uh, in foreign countries. So what, what's it like, robbed. what's it like fighting in like over, you know, like in a different place? Like, is it all the same kind of, you just go in and do no, it's, all, it's totally different, man. I mean, it's just like cutting well, we weight cut alone, right? Yeah. We yeah, cut alone is fucking hard because there's like nothing's there that you need it. Like, the, the, the tubs don't run hot water hot enough for you to cut weight in the in the bath in the room like the the saunas are shit. it's just like it's it's so hit or miss with how you're gonna cut weight you know and i'm cutting like i'm dieting down to 160 and then cutting 15 pounds of water right to make 146 so like that's big body weight percentage yeah just a lot right so like you need shit to be in line uh to have that happen so it, it's it's definitely like it, it's tough. Um, it's gotten better. So anyway, after I lose that decision, I'm like, all right, I, I, like, I, I, I'm like, I'm devastated, you know, I'm devastated because that kid went to the UFC right after that. Right. And I fucking won that fight. So I was oh, just like, man. it was just it was fucking just, just ripped at my soul after that. And, um, I remember like another fight fell through and, you know, Prior to that, I had really started to take a look at myself and I started looking in the mirror and I started realizing like, I, I called myself out. I, I told myself, you're a fucking coward and you're afraid to take risks and uh, and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like you were discouraged from making mistakes like a, as a kid, like you were not allowed to make mistakes. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not a big get shot in the dark of why you are the way you are, right? But what are you gonna do to change that, right? So I really got into this mindset and this is kind of like what's brought me to where I'm at now is I've really gotten this mindset of like chasing down weakness, chasing down the, my, my, my personal handicaps, chasing down anything about me that, um, that I'm fearful about or uncomfortable with and, and just confronting it and, 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 and head on. And, and I started doing that and started making like, you know, training changed. And I started really just putting myself in vulnerable positions and, and just like really embracing that vulnerable part of fighting because the pr- thing about fighting is it's completely vulnerable, right? Yeah. Um, the, just the nature of it is vulnerable. You're going in that you don't have control over much. Right. Uh, and so to avoid getting a comfortability with that vulnerability, it's like, well, yeah, no wonder, like you're, you're not going to perform at your best if you're avoiding the very nature of, of, of what this thing is that you're doing. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I really got like fucking obsessed with that idea of just finding what I'm scared of and just charging into it head first. Um, it's not always the wisest thing to do, but it's, uh, it, it's, I, I could probably be a little bit more well thought out about it, but it, you know, it's, uh, yeah, but then, you know, so another fight falls through and I just realized I don't have the same chip. I'm, I'm now 35, 36. I'm like, I don't have the same chip on my shoulder anymore. I don't, I don't feel like whatever I had to prove, like I'm going to get out of that. Like, even if I got what I wanted, it's, it's not going to bring me what I think it's going to bring me. Right. And, and I know that now, especially because I, I, you know, I rub shoulders with the fucking best guys in the world, guys that are fucking like certified legends in the sport. And you know what? Some of them are not happy. A lot Mm -hmm. of them are not happy. Right. So it's like, it didn't fix it 
for them. And a lot of us are chasing that a similar delusion, right? That if I get here, I'm going to like myself, I'm going to prove my worth, my merit, whatever it is. And it's like, it's just not true. And I started to get that feeling. And I realized like, I'm ready to, uh, to move into coaching. And, and really what I wanted is I wanted to stop that feeling of fucking time chasing me down. Uh, you know, and yeah, yeah, I know that feel that feeling is real, man. Like the, the, our next record, the one that's about to come out is called clock tick motivation because I didn't start playing music till later. Like my first band, I started when I was like 27. I never, I was just one day, I was like, maybe I'll just start a band. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like everyone else is doing their thing. I was like too busy trying to be a criminal. And <laughs> now that I started writing songs at like, you know, 27, I was like, I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, I just wasted all this time. And you just yeah. feel like it's like every day I need to, and the pandemic just sucks because it's like, I mean, in a way, like you, you still do creative things, but there is that 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 time where you look, you know, even with you guys, like, you know, it's like you guys could be out there touring, you know, you guys could be doing the stuff, making a new record. Um, so we're all, I guess, in that it's just that that like, I guess we realize life is awesome. And and, you know, the universe owes me a fucking year, you know, like last year, I'm like, I want that shit back. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's tough. And, and so here's the thing, though, that feeling didn't go away because all I did was put it now. Now. I start really getting like really throwing myself into jujitsu and, and, uh, and I fought a couple of Muay Thai fights past retirement, um, uh, of MMA. I, I fought Muay Thai in Thailand a few times. And that, that looks like some real shit. Like, is that like, no, let me tell you what Muay Thai is the most dangerous combat sport I've ever competed in. Not, not necessarily that like those guys are the best fighters. You know what I mean? Cause like, like obviously the wrestling changes things, but as far as like feeling in danger, when, when, when elbows start whizzing past your face, because I've, I've had homies get stitched up with like, like it looks, they look like a softball, you know what I'm saying? like the big fucking stitches holding their shit together. You get split in that stuff. Knees and, and elbows are, are no joke. And, uh, and you're not, you're encouraged to just kind of stand in front of each other. And, and there's not a lot of moving around. Right. So, so you're basically like kind of going shot for shot. And, uh, it's, it's fucking gangster, but it's a trip, dude. It's a trip. There's like fighting in Thailand. It's, it's, it's real gangster. Like sometimes you don't even know who you're fighting till you get there. <laughs> right? And they do like the eyeball fucking weigh in sometimes. And then he's about a buck 30. Yeah. 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 And then there's no warm up. You, you go in the back, the Thai trainers rub you down with Thai oil, which like warms up your body. You fucking lace up your gloves and you walk. Like no hitting pads, no drilling with your training <laughs> yeah. partner. Like 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 a lot of us are accustomed to, you know, yeah. like get, getting warmed up for a fight. None of that. None <laughs> of that. You fucking shake it out, and you're you're headed off to the ring. You you know, you do do the little like pre-fight ritual, and and that's that, man. You're in there banging it out. Wild. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. So I I wanted to ask Sean r real quick because I I don't know when did you start doing jujitsu and what made you want to do it. Well, I'm a tough noob. So okay. Stephen Bonner, Forrest Griffin had that first fight. And I was like, yo, what is this? And then I was watching Matt Serra on the Ultimate Fighter season four, the comeback one. I was like, that guy's up the block for me. He seems like an amazing coach. I got to get in there and see what this is about. I did karate as a kid. So I was like, man, I really connected with martial arts. I thought it was cool. And I was like, man, I need to do that. 
And I just went one day. I was like, I was kind of angry. My career wasn't where I wanted it to be. And I needed, my hobby was the bar. So I'm like, I need something else that's going to get me going. I can't, like, I, I would come home from tours and my neighbors would be like, hey, like, what do you do? I was like, I don't know. I'd like chill and go to the bar. That's it. It's like, I need something else. So I latched onto that and that just became like such a passion and, and going to the classes every day, every afternoon and, and getting to learn from really, really good guys and stuff. And and then when Matt was training for his fights, he'd show us like, oh, this is what we're working on for the Frank Trigg fight. Here's this butterfly guard sweep we're doing and whatever. I was like, he's going to try this in the UFC in like two weeks and he's showing me right now. This is like the coolest thing in the world. So I just got hooked, man. And and now like I just, I've been out of it for a year because of COVID as well. But man, like the once that bug bit, there was like no looking back. I'm like, this is what I have to do. So I've been training a little bit in the backyard with one of my buddies and stuff and, and a little bit of kickboxing and and it it's fun, but it's not it's not what it was, but I'll get back there soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm gonna take a piss real quick. I'll be right back. Okay, cool. Um so I know you guys have like um like a festival coming up. Like is that is that still a go? I don't think so. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, you might you might might have to do an edit somewhere around here. But um, yeah, like with with anything, and, and I think most people know anyway that it's if if the government will allow it, it'll happen. And I just don't see mass gatherings in in California. You're talking about that that chain fest deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's definitely being pushed back to a later date when to a later uh, date. I think things will be back online. Okay. But um, yeah, I don't think it like it's up to them to officially announce. So, um, so we just kind of got to sit and wait. It sucks, but yeah, I don't think anything's happening like show wise until fall. For yeah, for sure. All right, yeah. Did you see just fell out in, in Jacksonville? Real quick. Real quick. For like not not too far away. I think it's in like May. Yeah. April April twenty fourth. I think. Yeah. We're like less than a month I away. I don't give a fuck. No. Nah, no, nah, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, like, I'm not going, but I'm happy to see that it's happening. I'm like, I'm you know, at the first COVID show in Jacksonville. That must have been so nuts. Oh, you yeah. did, yeah, right, yeah, you because you, um, so I Dominic, Dominic yeah, 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 who did he fight again? Um, and uh, yeah, that was it was it was fucking weird, man. It, it was first of all, I get there and. We take this, uh, we take this like antibody test, and my test comes back un- inconclusive, right? So they fucking put me in a hotel room by myself for like a day and a half, and like they're so bombarded, and and like this is early, this is this is fucking April, you know what I mean, of last year. So yeah, they don't, we don't know what's going on with this shit yet. It's it's like I'm thinking like you know you're fucking there's no good information. It's not like now where it's like, I'm, it feels like it's over now. It's at least out in California. Does. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So then the doctor comes back and he's like, I'm ruling it a negative because it's inconclusive. But then like, you know, everybody's treating me like I'm one of the people in fucking uh, walking dead that got bit. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> they're treating me like I'm going to turn at any moment. And, 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 uh, and it was, it was just like, it was so anxiety for, for, for a couple of days for me. And then finally, at my second and third, I had to get tested two more times, and both those came back negative, and and uh, we just like got through the fight. But uh, it was it was weird, and Jacksonville was empty, so you're like walking yeah. around like a just like a deserted town, like everything. Jacksonville's was- a weird place to begin with. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is, it is. It's uh, cause it's like right on the border of Georgia. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like you get a little of that too. And um, it was uh, yeah, 
strange, strange fighting without the crowd, especially for a title fight. Uh, that, that was, uh, that was interesting. I, I, some guys are like, Oh, I think it's cool. I like it. I fucking hate it. I like the yeah. energy of the crowd. The energy, the energy of the crowd yeah. is what really makes going to events live fun. At this point, I fucking hate cornering. Like I, I like the actual, like being in the corner for the fight itself, everything before and after it, I fucking don't like, you know, I, it's just like, you're in a hotel room with people for days on end. You're like, you're, you're whatever your life is fucking canceled for a couple days. And, yeah. and, and it's just, uh, it's not fun. It's, it's, it, it's definitely not fun during COVID because a lot of times we're just like locked down in a hotel for, for days. Like you can't go you're out. Wasting away. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. It just, yeah. It ruins. Like, I mean, it's just everything, man. It's just fucking everything's on pause. Like every, just everything. Hopefully. I don't know, somewhere down the road. Pre-COVID was the shit. Like if I had to go to a UFC oh, yeah. and pre-marriage, that, that also fucked things up. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, pre-COVID and pre-marriage, like, ah, oh, man, it, it was, uh, <laughs> my wife just fucking opened the bathroom door. She, <laughs> she just left. But yeah. yo, So speaking of marriage, I know that you, you went out to Thailand uh, yeah. And then from there, you said you started to, you know, you didn't start off as a trainer, but so many things happened there. Like that happened. Um, and then you met your wife. Uh, like, man, a lot of shit happened there before you got back to San Diego, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, So I had my, my, my coach throughout my career at, at Alliance MMA was uh, Eric Del Fiero. And uh, we work together now. And um, but he had always encouraged me to like coaching to, into coaching and working with the guys because I was, I was like, basically like, even while I was on the fight team, I would run a lot of the wrestling and grappling workouts. Like as a fighter, I'd be in them, you know what I mean? But I basically set the tone for what we're going to do. And, and then we do it. So, uh, that's the reason I got my passport. He got me my passport to, uh, to go, um, corner Joey Beltran in Brazil. Cause he couldn't go. He had his, like, he was getting married or he had his anniversary or some shit like that. So he couldn't go. And so, uh, He's like, hey, get your passport. You're going to go with Joey to Brazil. So, uh, like, otherwise, I would have never got it. You know shout, what I mean? shout out to the Mexicutioner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's the bare knuckle champion boxer of the world. Yes. And, and I, I just want to say, if I had to, like, be in an alley with, with anyone on the planet, right, in, like, a street fight, Joe, yeah. I wouldn't pick John Jones. I wouldn't pick uh, Joey motherfucking Beltran because uh, yeah. that guy will, will, will run and throw haymakers and just put you into a brick wall you know what I mean? Like he's, he's probably the world's best street fighter. You know what I mean? Like, like that dude is gangster. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And a regular guy is going to put that guy down. No way. No, no way. dude. No. No Joe way. Beltran, G, and he's a fucking, he's a, we've had a lot of good times. We've had a lot of good times. We had a blast in, in, uh, where would you go? Sao Paulo. We went to Sao Paulo and, uh, we had a blast and, and we're still friends to this day. But, um, so yeah, Eric always encouraged me to coach. And so, I knew I would coach at some point because even, even my, 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 my Russian wrestling coach said that one day I'll, I'll, I would, he kind of encouraged me that you'll, you'll be a good coach one day. I, I, body mechanics just makes sense to me and, and, and being able to articulate body mechanics is, is not difficult for me. It's, it's, it's just, I can see something. I can see when a foot placement is out of position or, or, or just little small things and, and, and articulate those adjustments. Right. And so, uh, when I, when I went out to Phuket, I knew when I was done, like, yeah, I'm going to move into coaching. And so, uh, the, the owner of the gym and I agreed that I would move into that role exclusively. 
and and yeah, I started. And within a within a a very short time, we had taken Phuket top team from a fairly reputable gym to one of one of the best gyms uh, in Asia, one of the best gyms really in that on that side of the world. And guys were flying in from from all over the place to come train with us. And you know, we had Tiger Muay Thai down the street, which is obviously a, a super successful gym. They had a lot of money behind them and stuff like that. So we were essentially guys were coming there to train with me and 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 build. Uh, you know, build their careers with me. And, and, uh, and it was a blast, man. Uh, got nominated for coach of the year uh, for in, in Asian MMA. And, and uh, it was, I it mean, was that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, like from, cool. from, from where you came from and the stories that you were telling uh, to basically being like, I don't know, like that's, that's such a, like a, a huge accomplishment. Uh, did any part of you, uh, were you allowed to enjoy that internally? Honestly, dude, like another big part of my story is that uh, I was a fucking out of control sex addict too, right? So like, um, so nah, I didn't really get to, you know, I would enjoy it, like my ego would enjoy it, but the ego enjoys things for very brief moments, man. Think about like, think about like all your success. So like, like, you know, your biggest record, how long did that last? You know what I mean? Like, like it's fleeting. Yeah. Right. And, but when you were a kid, if you would have thought about that when you were a kid, you'd be like, I'll be happy forever. If I, yep. you know, if I have a hit, just a hit record, the local hit record, I'll be stoked on yeah. that forever. And I can imagine now just knowing how human beings work. It's like, Oh, it was cool. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not, it's not fueling me today. You know, it's yeah. definitely not fueling me today. So, um, probably because we want more like we we you know i for sean like once you guys make a record that you love like after you tour it for a couple of months you're like cool i want to go make more music like you you always want to just top whatever you did you know and it's not it's not unhealthy i think it's just like okay that's cool now i just want to get even better you know i'm sure it's the same thing with with what you do eric you know you just absolutely so the thing for me and you know i've gotten uh I've gotten deeply into like self-reflection and uh, I do a lot of meditating and I, and I just do a lot of like self-examination and the idea that like getting to like some place that that's where it's going to be at. It's, it's not real. It's not real for me anyway. And, and I know yeah. countless people that it's not real for. Right. And so it's like the body of evidence shows me that like, that's not real. Right. But there's a delusion inside me, you know, man, if I just bang like that chick, I'm going to be fucking stoked. Right. Once I bang <laughs> her, I don't want anything to do with her anymore. Right. She's done. You don't know, you know, like a hunter doesn't kill a deer twice. Right. After it kills it, it eats it. And then that's it. The fucking mm-hmm. carcass gets discarded. Right. So it's like, that's how I felt about everything. Right. That's how I felt about everything. Everything was just you, a chance. You banged that tweaker, didn't you? <laughs> I definitely didn't bang the tweaker. No. Honestly, I was still so crazy. Gr- girls didn't start paying attention to me till, uh, till I was like 24, 25. Yeah, yeah. And like, I, and even then, I was still a little fucked up. But uh, yeah, yeah. She was, she wasn't, she, she was too busy with some fucking other tweaker. Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought about it. I definitely thought about it. I mean, um, of course, you, I thought yeah, about it. it too. Right there. I, 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 I didn't even meet her. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was like all, all that stuff. It's, it's like, it's not there for me. Honestly, the big thing for me right now in my life is like, 
because like the big struggle now is like, as I get older and I remove distractions, I don't have chasing women to fall back on anymore. Like I'm married and I'm happily yeah. married. Right. Yeah, yep. Um, I, I don't have any of the real distractions. I'm not in my, you know, I'm not chasing fame anymore in the same way that I was, you know, thinking like, so all these things that I could kind of like hang on to that, like, ah, oh, when I get there, I don't really have any of them anymore. Uh, I have very, very few of them anymore. So for me, it's like, so with that, with a, with a lot of those distractions being removed, like a lot of like, like underlying stuff starts to boil to the surface. And it's not, it's not uncommon as you start to reach 40 years old. I just turned 40 mm-hmm. and um, like, you know, dealing with like the symptoms of PTSD is a fucking motherfucker. It, it's, it's, it's really hard, man. Like, so my body's in fight or flight more often than it's not. Right. So it's like, imagine like the feeling of like, you almost get into a car accident or something dangerous happens. Right. But then your body comes down. My body kind of gets stuck in that for long periods of time. That's heavy. Uh, like overdrive. Yeah. It's just due to like past trauma. You know what I mean? So like, I used to be able to not feel that because I'd have some, even past drugs and alcohol, like mm-hmm. I would have something to distract myself with. Right. So the wild thing now is I see what I was doing back then blindly back then. I just thought I just liked getting laid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which, Cause it's not, it's not unnatural, yeah. um, but I would be in a constant state of obsession. Like yeah, it yeah. just overtake my life and um, similar to like getting dope. You know what I mean? It was like the best part of getting dope is not shooting dope. It's going to buy dope. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. You're right. It, yeah. it's, it's a calm down. Like as soon as, as soon as you hit it's like all right now you know yeah for sure yeah what now but on the way to get the bag is the best part right so it's the idea that this is going to take me from this however i feel right now i don't like feeling like this when i get there i'm not gonna have feeling it's like that hope that lies on on that ride to doing whatever you're going to get right that's what it's at when i make that hit record then it's gonna it's like that excitement of what could be sure um, it's even like after winning a fight, man, the hand gets raised. It's fucking amazing for that first 30 seconds is amazing. The next day I often want to kill myself. Crazy. Yeah. The next day I feel suicidal a lot of times after winning a big fight. Cause it's just like, what's the point? Right. So, so the point of all that is for me now, just to be able to be present, not feel like, like there's some impending doom coming. Yeah. Right. It's fucking good for me, man. Be, be <laughs> present. Yeah, it's so it's such a simple thing, but yeah, be present. Like I completely relate to that. Like that's all I know, want. That's yeah. literally all I want. Like yeah. I want to be present to enjoying what I'm doing on the mat. Not I'm doing this so that yeah, eventually it's gonna make me more money, right? Yeah. Once I start doing anything for money, I fucking hate it. You know, I fucking hate it. That's why I want to develop multiple streams of income so I can coach not for money. I'd rather coach for fucking free because I would do it for free. It's just not an option for me not to do it for free right now. Yeah. If it was, I would do everything that I'm doing right now. I would do it for free. Um, but I hate the fact that money gets attached to it because it can often poison it, but that's up to me and, and my mindset going into it. And, 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 you know, the work that I do each day, you know, if I, if I get up, I get centered, I meditate, get, you know, go empty the fucking junk drawer in my head. Then it's like, okay, I can be aware of how I'm going to go show up to the gym that day for my own training. And for the athletes that I'm training, if I rush out the door in the morning, right. And I don't do any of that prep work, 
I'm not aware of where my thought space is at. So like, I'm kind of just reacting. Right. And, and a lot of times my reactions go back to like survival reactions, right? I need more. Uh, I'm, I'm not getting what I deserve, you know, that, that type of sort of thinking. And, and that fucking, it kills any type of creativity that's involved in me. It kills my writing. It kills, you know, because like at this stage in the game, I, I enjoy like that type of creativity and artistry, I think a little bit more than I do the, the martial arts work like I really like writing I really like you're good at um, it man you're you're good like you I you know on your social media like you're it's like the fact that you have a podcast makes sense even though you haven't done one in a while but I know you're going to start again um it makes sense same thing I told Sean like when they they do something called uh talking back Sunday <laughs> you know in, in the downtime <laughs> and I was like if, watching that gave me the idea i'm like you know what like sean's really good on that it was his idea i it would be fun to have the two of you you know so we could have this discussion um man and the writing for sure like you were saying i'll, I'll let you continue though yeah i think yeah you're very I, good. I enjoy those creative pursuits um and then here's what happens right so at first like writing is this very cathartic process and you know, I'm just writing because I enjoy it. It feels good to like articulate these things for me. Sometimes that's the easiest way for me to like really like fully express myself is to is to write it. Um, and, and once I turn it into, ah, I'm going to write a book. And once people start giving me positive feedback about it, right now, I can t I can easily just turn that into the same thing that I've turned everything else into, right? Yeah, As this yeah. way to move ahead in life, right? And, and you know, there's nothing wrong with moving ahead from your creative pursuits, but I think using moving ahead as the fuel for your creative pursuits, like for me, kills all the actual like joy that comes along with it. You know what I mean? Like, like just, it's like doing, being creative for the sake of being creative is where all the best stuff comes from. If it's like, oh, like, yeah. like trying to be famous, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. when people try to be famous or anybody that's like Instagram, it's like, there's a certain, it's just, it's just gross. Right. It's like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, just, man. it's a, there's that Kardashian sense to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not real. There's, there, it loses all its authenticity to me. So uh, I, I, it's a very real struggle for me to, keep myself out of that because I can easily fall into that very, sh like those, those more shallow pursuits, you know, uh, it's easy for me to trick myself. It's super easy for me to trick myself. Listen, uh, I mean, that's, that's one hell of a story. Um, I'm, I'm going to like, we're, we're going to close out the, the personal part now. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to do the, the, the movie and the music, uh, uh, whatever I said. Um, but ready. thank you for that story. Cause it's, man, it, it was a great conversation and, uh, I don't know, man, it's definitely great talking to you. I, I'm like yeah, I said, I'm, it's, it's amazing to see what, what you've done. And uh, obviously Sean, you already know. <laughs> can, can I tap one more, one more question into the personal for you, Eric? Go ahead. Yeah. So all the self-reflection and self-realization, are you reading books? Is that through therapy? Like, how did you get to that place where you're getting this all figured out about yourself from coming so far? I'm fascinated to know how you got there because it seems like you've got a good, a lot of good techniques and stuff that you figured out for yourself. So a big one for me was, uh, I met some like, like very good mentors in, in 12 step programs that nice. like, and, and like, in 12 step programs, there's, there's a there's a, a fourth and a fifth step that are about inventory. And so, so these guys, 
that I ran into, they're like a real like small sect. This ain't going on in every meeting. That's for yeah. sure. Right. These guys were like took inventory to a place I'd never seen it before. And it gave me like, uh, and so like for me, it was just another thing, like, uh, the same way I can observe like, uh, mechanical movement in human beings it's easy for me to track thoughts and, and, and mindsets and this is stuff that i use with my fighters too is like the yeah. inventory certain things because we're all the same right we're, we all really are all the same uh for, for the most part and, and so how to how to address like be aware of my fears how to be aware of am i being selfish or not being aware of my own motives like mm-hmm. how often do we go through life and we're not aware of our motivation we just do it on autopilot right yeah. why do i believe what i believe and then yeah tons of reading man i, I get into all kinds of books I, you know I, I do a lot of spiritual study like i'm you know uh, ramdas alan watts mm-hmm. uh, all, all different types of stuff man i just i steal from everywhere that i can that's Anything great that inspires me uh, if, if, man, if you have, like, I can recommend books. Eckhart Tolle is like really good. Like the power of now, just like, yeah. just getting like slowed down enough that I can see what's going on in the present moment. You know what I mean? And like Excellent. any tool that helps me do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm all about it, you know? And, and uh, yeah, so that, that's like, and, and uh, yeah. So, like, that, that's, that's, that's a good stealing. Yeah. 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 It's a better stealing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And before, like, I didn't want to like, I just didn't want to hold you guys hostage is why no, you're good, man. I'm, yeah. I'm great. Yeah. I, you know, I told Sean an hour, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know how it was going to go. And I think everything was going great. You know, uh, conversations fucking great. So thank you guys again for doing it. Um, cool, man. So I listen, the podcast really re- revolves around music, movies, and pop culture. And, uh, this year with zoom, I decided to really kind of, you know, do it a lot, <laughs> you know, just to stay creative. And, and, um, I thought it'd be fun to pick five of our favorite movie fights, uh, just for shits and giggles, man. So, uh, Eric, yeah, just give me five of your favorite movie fights. Okay. So the, the one that like really like inspired me first as a kid, and I'll still get tingles from watching it. It's not the best fight scene, yeah. but it's, it's the sort of the buildup around it. The, the, the first karate kid, right it's like that that was it for me right yeah. that kid felt, yeah. he felt weak right he learned martial arts he you know he kicks ass and he gets the girl at the end right yes. it's like that for me at, at four years old that that was it you know what i mean that was it at four years old i was i was i was all about that you know so um that was huge um there's a scene in the movie knock around guys which is okay. a throwaway yeah, yep. movie but Vin Diesel encapsulated like how I felt as a teenager so perfectly. He gives this speech about 500 fights, right? If you've never seen the scene before, I strongly recommend YouTubing it. So he, he, they go to this town and they end up at a bar with a bunch of hicks and the guy's kind of picking a fight and he goes, yep. 500. And yep. the guy goes, 500 what, asshole? He goes, 500 fights. And he proceeds to tell him how as a kid, he, he, sort of put the number, that's the number he figured that you needed to get into to be a certified tough guy. And so for me, when I was a kid, little kid, fourth, fifth grade, I remember I would keep track of my street fights. So I'd keep meticulous track. I'd get in four and five a day sometimes just because like, I'm like- You, you gotta hit quota. Yeah, I gotta hit quota. You know, I didn't hit 500 at that age, but I think by the time I was like 11 years old, 12 years old, I probably hit 50. Yeah. I was, I was, I was content with that number at that time. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it's like that, that, that always resonated with me. That idea is just very powerful. Absolutely. And, and I'm not a big Vin Diesel fan, but I was, 
in, in that. Uh, that in was that. A, no, that was a good scene. That was a great scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that was big for me. Um, the entire movie of Bloodsport. Yeah. <laughs> was also like paramount in, in 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 inspiring my life. You know what I mean? Oh, I yeah. wanted to fight in the Kumite as a kid. You know what I mean? We were too poor to afford karate lessons, so I would get at the book fair. I would grab martial arts books. And fucking practice the moves in the book on my brother, like, like, so, like that. That vision was in me, like, as a kid. So, Bloodsport was huge for me. I'd watch it repeatedly over and over. Shout over. out to Bolo Young. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last scene of Rocky Two, the la- fight, the you know, the the yeah. final fight of Rocky Two. I still can't watch that without without catching a tear. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, yeah, that gets me every single time. Just like once they raise his hand and like that, that's just the way the music is set. It's like it's a it's a it's a very strong scene. Um, Hell yeah, for sure. Uh, it, uh, early Steven Seagal out for justice or above the law. Yeah, like you can't fuck with those fight scenes. They're so fun. Aikido, so right? Isn't that what it is? I, I wish that I didn't know that it's bullshit. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> But at the time when he's clotheslining motherfuckers and just like the, the choreography and in, in those fights, it was so far above anything else that was happening at the time. Absolutely. He beat the shit out of someone with a pool ball. Yep. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Nuts. Yeah. yeah. Every scene in those early Seagal movies, those, those early fight scenes was like head and shoulders above anything else that was going on at the time. And really. Yeah. So here, here's a funny thing. Um, the last record that we recorded, we recorded in Staten Island and, uh, it was at, uh, his old mansion that, that, oh, sh- oh that was turned, the guest house was turned into what's turned into a studio, uh, and it's owned by, uh, the Nassau family. <laughs> and he was like, uh, the film producer, I'll send you some, some, some good stories about that. Uh, and we would just, it was just like the funniest thing. Cause we're like, this is Steven Seagal's house when we're recording a record. Yeah, that is pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, okay, Sean, give me five of your favorite fight scenes. All right, five. Uh, underrated movie, History of Violence. Oh, yeah. yeah Vigo? Vigo Mortensen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tremendous. So he's got a kid in it who's like a total nerd, total dork. You think he's not really like his dad. Then he beats the shit out of the bully, and the bully has like one of the best mullets and stuff, like total 80s throwback. And uh, he throws the kid into the locker and stomps his head and stuff. And it's just like, yeah, there he is. <laughs> so that's pretty awesome. Uh, Four, Drunken Master, the scene where Jackie Chan's mom keeps throwing him bottles of booze. He's like, oh, this is good. But just his facials and stuff when he's all hammered and he's fighting and dodging punches. Yeah, so that's a, fun that, as hell. That, that's, that's a good random one. I didn't want to go that deep, but I'm glad you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, old stuff I remember yeah. being a kid and yeah. stuff. Um, this, one, this one's a little outside the box. It's a little silly. When uh, Mr. Miyagi fights John Kreese at the beginning of Karate Kid 2. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. No, that's yeah. great. Fucking hand. And he's, he's sidestepping the punches. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I shared that with my son and stuff, and he got all scared when Miyagi's raising his hand. Yeah. About to chop him, then he honks his nose. Yeah. That's and a... We're howling yeah, laughing. Yes, that, that, that's a good one. Martin, Shout out to Martin Cove. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. That guy's great and loving, uh, loving all the Cobra Kai stuff. So good. But... Yeah, yeah. Uh, number two, Rocky Five. Not not the best Rocky movie, but the street fight at the end with Tommy yes, Gunn. Yes. Yeah, it was a good scene, man. That's it's a, super, yeah. super fun. And you're like, oh my God, he's going to get worse brain damage, and somehow he makes it through. <laughs> and then uh, number one, Way of the Dragon, Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris. Oh, man. That's a fair pick. That's yeah, a good yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. 
Wow, that's Chuck Norris has like the sweater on the back of his neck. Is he's so hairy? I remember as a kid being like, "What the hell? How does he have hair? So much hair back there?" But yeah, he's Yo, I gotta oh, give I got an honorable shirt. mention though to yeah, the, the, the final scene of the Lost Boys. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. David. Yeah, that's that's classic shit, man, for sure. I I was screw, uh, scrolling through HBO Max and it's up on there, and I was just oh. I'm always like, oh, my my my, put that shit on. Um, all right, so. I went a little random, but I, right. pick, I picked a Rocky movie too, which is funny, but you picked two, you picked five. I got four. I mean, come on. The yeah, end of, no yeah. better montages in any movie. Yeah. There's yeah, like I mean, eight of them. Yeah. But I mean, like, I don't think he blocked one punch that Ivan Drago threw. <laughs> I no, mean, that's why his hands are shaking at the beginning of Rocky five. Uh, no, for, for all their flaws, like you remember those fucking fight, like the, the drama, the drama that they put in those uh, fight scenes. I love them. Right. Yeah. Like th- the, the amount of drama they were able to conjure up with Sylvester Stallone. It's like, maybe he's not a bad actor. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, he's an expert at what he does. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's great at what he does. I love that. Like, I mean, listen, how embedded are these movies that you pick two, five and me four? Right. Like it's in my have, DNA for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, here's one that is kind of uh, wild um, and it was pretty violent. So in true romance, Yes. And fucking yeah. James Gandolfini and Patricia Arquette. Like, I mean, you want to talk about just it's almost hard to watch. That, yeah. That yeah. He's, canceled today. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would. <laughs> um, they live. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That was like a five minute fight scene. And, and it, it's just pretty amazing. So I have two left. One is absolutely ridiculous, but it's it's. No one's seen the movie. It's called uh, it's it's a cabin fever movie, but it's the third one. And in it, um, I don't know if you know about cabin fever, but these people have this like skin eating disease um, and, you know, they get a virus or whatever. But there's two of these people that are infected that are fighting and they're ripping each other's skins off till they're like two skeletons fighting. That's pretty cool. That's amazing. Um, I gotta find that. I'll I'll, I'll send you a link. And oh, yeah. the the very last one is a movie that I think uh, everyone should see because it's the best action movie of all time, The Raid. So The Raid one and two are the like I just wrote The Raid, the, all of it, like every uh-huh. fucking part of The Raid is just amazing. Just yeah, uh, check that out. Oh really? It. Oh, I'm yeah. gonna I'll send you the links. Oh my god, it's so it's like um it might be like Taiwanese. I forget exactly what country it's from, but it's just, it, it's going to blow your fucking mind. Like you, like, out, jo- sure. like this is where John, like John Wick and all that shit, this is where they got it from. So, okay, cool, man. Nice. So that was fun. And, uh, you know, me and Eric always talk music, you know, we're big hip hop fans and, uh, you know, I think we always talk about favorite current MCs, favorite MCs. Uh, I know just recently you did like a, a little, uh, biggie shout out, you know, cause, uh, yeah. Um, I, I like I said, I remember being in, in Riverhead Jail the day he got shot, and I'm telling you, that was wow. That was one of the yeah. I, I was in there, and we were all watching it. And you want to talk about conspiracy theories before the internet? <laughs> you had to hear what these guys thought really happened. Um, so I know Sean, you said that you have um, like you your your knowledge of 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 the hip hop is just kind of like a little bit more based in like the older stuff. I'm, I am basic. I am basic and uh, that shit everybody knows, but yeah, my knowledge isn't too deep. So give me like five of the artists that, that you continuously go back to. Okay. Most recently been listening to Mac Miller's circles record. Yeah. It's like the production on that's tremendous. Yeah. 
Um, then I got the Marshall Mathers LP because that reminds me of like the year 2000. Like that encapsulates it. Dre the Chronic. That was like the first rap record that I was like, what is this? I got to learn more about this. And like yeah, Boys yeah. in the Hood came out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. But like, yeah. Eminem is one of the best lyricists. Like I don't love his production, but like as far uh-huh. as like lyricism goes, he will outwrap 99% of the people. Like, I, I would say anybody. Anybody. I would say okay. skill-wise. I would say I would say there's never been a more skilled MC in, in purely just lyricism. Yeah. Right. I, I think like I think Big beats him in flow. Flow. But yeah. uh, but but as pure as pure lyricism, nobody can do the wordplay. The word the wordplay. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of anything past his first two albums. So, yeah, yeah. Like I don't I don't, I actually don't like much of his music past his first two albums. Like if I'm gonna listen to Eminem, I listen to like. Yeah. His old stretch and Bobito fucking oh, freestyles. Yeah, like scary that. movies that, and shit. Yeah, that's what I listen to because because yeah. he just spits or or his cipher freestyles. Oh. But as an MC, I, I can't name anybody that. You know what it is? It's he knows his fan base. Like so, he has a pop fan base. So he's not mm-hmm. like he'll throw a track on there. For like hip hop heads, it'll be like I still fuck with him, like just to kind of like flex that muscle. Yeah. But his fan base is just ninety like percent of his fan base probably hates hip hop, except him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like so, um, Sean, give me your last two. I think last two uh, Wu Tang Thirty Six Chambers, yeah, and then Biggie Ready to Die Number One. Okay, yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> you know, ridiculous for sure. Um, we just finished up a Wu Tang episode. That's the one that dropped before you know talked about it um eric give me whatever you want whether it's five current five goats uh I'll give you top five and my and my, my current okay go ahead so he's not my favorite rapper but he's i consider him the greatest rapper of all time i, I got big as, as the greatest rapper of all time right he's his his flow he just made it seem so easy Right, it just made it seem so easy. Real, real complex rhyme schemes, and if you actually watch the documentary, like they talk about how he got his style from jazz. So good. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Who, who, like how they set up the, yep. the, you know, the the melodies and whatnot. He took those melodies into his rhyme, so he was rhyming in melodies. Yeah. Right. It's like not a lot of people before or after can, can do that the way he did. Right. The other motherfucker that did the same exact thing. Right, who's also like like I, I go back and forth with, with who's who's bet who's greater, Rakim. Oh yeah. Right. So Rakim was the son of a. a, a he was heavily involved in jazz, and so he got the da 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 da. Like so, his if you listen to his rhyme pattern, it's a lot of the way that he heard jazz music, uh, at, at growing up as a kid. Right, and you know. And the production. Arguably the most inf- influential MC of all time. Like there wouldn't be. The 90s, if we didn't have Rakim, right? He took it from like Cat in the Hat type Dr. Seuss yeah. type rhymes to, you know, like to the Nazis and, and everything that, that came. He that was, came yeah, out. he was at Brit. And, and give me not many people, not many groups, Eric B and Rakim, those four records they put out like in a row are amazing. Like, I, like they might have had the best four album run of any hip hop group for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, and Long Island MC, right? You can't, can't. Shout out. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's from Wandan. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that's two. Nas, uh, his 
first album alone is just like such a masterpiece. The second album is, is, is also a classic in my opinion. And I don't love the last run of work that he's done the past few years, but just like as a skilled MC, as a storyteller, as, as a picture painter, um, this is very, very hard for me to, uh, to not hold him in such high regard. Uh, he, he, uh, he's, he's somebody that I, I, I refer to as the Weezer of hip hop, uh, two really good first records. Uh, but as far as like, man, as far as like skill set, and I like a lot of the, the, the later stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, fucking not, I mean, listen, you put on New York state of mind, any fucking decade, any fucking year, like right. that sounds good. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That whole album front to back. You, it's it's 40 minutes of perfection there's yep. never it's the greatest album that's ever been made in hip-hop and and it's perfect you do not have to hit skip not not for any single part of it, it yeah. it's like i don't know another record that you don't because they only made 10 songs right and so one and one was the genesis so it's like nine yeah i mean it's 40 minutes yeah so it's 40 minutes of just perfection yep. uh cool g rap yep right is, is on my top five he doesn't get enough credit He's still out putting good music out actually to this day. And yep. he, he, he'll go bar for bar with anybody. Like his, his rhyme skill is actually like, it's, it's pretty mind blowing. Oh, it's yeah. pretty mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. And then my, my number five, like all time uh, is big pun. Okay. And, and I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not the guy that does like full body work. I'm just talking about like, I, I'm really into like guys that spit, okay. you know what I mean? Like, like, and so big pun for me, it's like, oof. I, I like just listen to him and the way he was putting stuff together. It was like, like cool G rap, like 2.0 dead in the middle. <laughs> you yeah. Know what yeah. I'm like just like that wordplay. Uh, you hear songs like super lyrical, even back then yeah. it's just like, you know, unfortunately he, you know, like just like big, they had uh, an, a, a classic first album and then the double album. And then, you know, uh, they, they, they passed, but yeah, man, that's, that's a that's a good list right there. Yeah, and and I got some currents. Sure. Um, so, uh, not necessarily a new rapper, but he's still putting out great music. Ghostface, right? I could easily put him on my top five of all time just because he's so consistent. Like every album, except I one don't or two. Think people give him enough credit for what he's done over the past thirty years. Yep. Right. Thirty years. He's been in the game thirty years. Right. Maybe just just shy of thirty years, and name a whack project like you might have a project you don't like more than others but you can't name a whack project in nope. 30 fucking years nope right he's still like if you got ghost on a feature you like you know you know that track's gonna be fire right so he's like he's still putting out fantastic stuff he just did a verses with raekwon that was a fucking yep. the best verses that, that, that they put out um benny the butcher i'm a big fan of yep i think i think just his storytelling and the way he puts it down. His content is a little limited, um, but uh, but but his his storytelling is is uh, no. I don't see anybody that in the in the past ten or so years that that can fuck with the way he he puts stories. And he, he paints a very real picture. Like 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 if you know even just a little bit about the content that he's rapping about, like you could tell he was there for this. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, like without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, I really admire that. Uh, my man, John Jiggs just, just put out some, like a couple great Long projects. Island. Yeah. Another Long Island MC from Riverhead out by me. We went to high school together and, uh, man, this is a talented kid putting out good projects and, and, uh, you know, he, uh, he didn't sell out, 
you know, or, or, or switch to, to, to that sound. Yo, there's a lot of New York rappers that you hear and you're like, yo, you're from New York. Like that's, that's crazy. You sound like you're from Atlanta. You wouldn't know. Yeah. 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 It, it kind of trips me out. And then uh, I got a couple that don't make music that I would necessarily all the time like, like it's not, but they're, they're newer MCs that I got a lot of respect for. I, I like the baby a lot. I think, like, I think lyrically, he's very talented. I think he makes great songs. Yep. And uh, and I like that kid, Jack Harlow, that white boy. Oh, from, he's uh, fucking good. Yeah, yo, he, he's, he's good. Yo, he's he's a really talented song maker. You know what I mean? Like, he's song like, maker. he's one of those like post Malone types that like understands melody. Yes. You know, and, and, and I think like that's what makes good song makers, particularly like if we're going to go like towards the poppy side, like you have to have an understanding of melody no matter what music you're making because like the the average listener to anything is going to be attracted to melody before they're attracted to anything whereas like like mf doom like that guy didn't understand melody at all you know what i mean as far as like like his cadence or his rhymes even his beats really weren't melodic you know what i mean they they were great and it was great for what he did right but but that's why he's such a niche flavor for sure yeah 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 you know I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you that that Jack Harlow. Did you hear the song he did on the Static Selector album? Nah, I'll, I'll send it to you. It's fucking killer. Yeah, I, I got a lot of respect for that kid, and I, I've seen him go on Sway and 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 put down some bars. And and uh, yeah, he's uh he, he's a talented kid. I just like you know he's confident. He's cool. He's just I like his swagger. I think uh, I think you know I like just like seeing he's he's real about his his craft and and making good songs and stuff like that. So. For sure, yeah. Um, cool. So I'm going to just do my five current at the moment. Um, and then we'll wrap it up. So, um, I got a guy from Jersey. His name is crime apple. Um, his, his, you know, it's not for everyone and he's bilingual. So I wonder if it hits everyone the way it hits me. Um, because like sometimes the punchlines he'll throw in, like he's like a Colombian dude. Um, so he'll, he like has, I don't know. It's just, it's fantastic. He's white. Uh, he's Colombian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you listen to his Spanglish, it's it's on point. And I, I could hear like my family's dialect. Uh, ah. but, but uh I got another guy, Nems from Brooklyn. He released Gorilla Monsoon. You want to talk about if if twenty yeah, if twenty year old Eric had this, I I I I would I I'd walk on the other side of the street. I couldn't imagine <laughs> this is like straight up like you know, bunny bunny rabbit time for no bunny ear time. Bunny ears. Uh, yeah, so Gorilla Monsoon, amazing. Uh, another Long Island dude, Ray the Rugged Man. Uh, uh, I mean, like doesn't get enough props, man. But just like the, we had him on the show. We had him on a few few episodes ago. Uh, I, I got so much respect for him. Like, like he, he's another one of those guys that's like high, high, oh, high on the yeah. skill list. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like he, he's a he's a. There's black belts and then there's black belts. Like you, you know this, right? Like there's, yeah. there's black belt, right? Hell yeah! Not every black belt is is, you know, they know what they know and they they, they know the complete art of jujitsu. But then then there's black belts that will make them look like they never trained jujitsu before. Right? Absolutely, man. Ra is one of those guys. Ra is is the elite of the elite. The elite, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and then my last two of the current crop, I have Black Thought. Um, I'm glad yeah. that Black Thought is finally coming from behind the roots who have never made a bad album, but he's putting out a lot of solo work and uh, he's amazing. He's just uh, speaking of pun. He was on super lyrical. Yeah. Uh, 
back then, but now he's putting out these records. He he's had some amazing verses, uh, just unbelievable. And my last it would be killer Mike from run the jewels. Um, when, when LP got together with this Atlanta dude, my New York snobbery was like, Oh, great. I'm like, I don't want to listen to this shit. And then after four albums, I'm like, okay, so this dude completely smokes LP on almost every goddamn song. Uh, killer Mike is super talented, super smart. I mean, like what a, <laughs> what a smart deal. Like, I feel like a moron when I hear him talk, you know? So that's my current top five. And, uh, we're all going to be swapping some links and shit. So, yo, thank you, Sean. You know, we're going to thank you, Sam. You know, we're, we're, we're definitely going to look out for everything you do, man. We're, we're huge taking back Sunday fans at red river podcast. Um, Thanks, man. you know, um, obviously the nicest dudes ever, you know, I love, I love me some Sean and Mark. Um, and thank you, Eric, man. Yo, it's, it's weird, right? Like after all this time yeah. to kind of like catch up, man. So, um, so over 20 years, think about that. Yeah, yeah. Over it's, 20 years, that shit is yeah. crazy. Yeah, we, yeah. you know, and you're in, you're in San Diego, I'm still in Long Island, so uh, man, can't wait to see you in person. Uh, yeah, can't, no wait to, can't wait to see you the next time you corner fucking, uh, you know, Dominic or whoever, so thank you for your time. Nah, thank you. And I'll talk to you guys. Hi, brother. All right. Later. Later. Later.